let's welcome Monique Sorgen. All right. Welcome to the show, to the Dino Dad Chat, Monique Sorgen. Hello. Award-winning filmmaker and comedy writer and stand-up comedian that I've seen in person, but seen her perform once at the Fanatic Salon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing well. And um, uh, I just, I, when I saw you, I, I for, when I, the, that first time at the Fanatic Salon, I thought this person has lots of experience. This person seems to, to, to I don't know, you just seem very prepared. <laughs> Yeah. Which is which is actually ironic because that night when you saw me, I was like not prepared enough. Well, um, yeah. but <laughs> but I I worked it out for the next week. You did, and and uh, it, and I, I I was I when I was watching, I was trying to I was I was listening to you, and I was trying to understand that you those were jokes that you had written for those comedians, correct? Yes, yeah. So that's what I was doing that night was. Um, this idea that, sorry, I, I need to stop messing with things, my hands that make noise. Um, I, I had this idea that, well, because, you know, I'm primarily a writer director um, more than a performer. Yeah. And um, so I, I have written a lot of stand-up comedy. And um, in some cases, uh, it became obsolete. Like, for example, I had written a Louis spec, right? Yeah. So that's where I got the idea because after Louie got me too, then I couldn't use any part of that spec script anymore. Now a spec, <laughs> a, a spec script in television um, is something that you write to try and get a job writing on a different show. And that was a spec I had that was like doing really well for me. Like people really liked my Louie spec. And then all of a sudden he got me too and it ruined my ability to get jobs. So that was sort of annoying. Um, and so I kind of got this idea, well, what if I took like a piece of that stand-up that I had written for that spec and kind of update it to include everything that's happening currently with him and being me tooed and being canceled. And then also winning a Grammy, despite the fact that he's ruined so many women's careers. And then that sort of led me to this idea of like, well, what if I just said I wrote all this stuff for these other canceled comedians? And so then I wrote um, new stuff for like Dave Chappelle and Bill Cosby. And <laughs> And, and just started to think about like what, how I could talk about like really edgy things that you're no longer allowed to talk about because it's not me talking about it. It's them saying, yeah. it, you know, from the point of view of someone who obviously <laughs> doesn't care about those things. And the way you read it, it was just the way, <laughs> Because I was imagining like listening to like Dave Chappelle with your voice, and 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 kind of a more gentle politeness, but telling those edgy jokes. I don't know if it's <laughs> irony or what. What it? What you well, that's it. what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that there's a certain amount of irony with like me, this like petite woman on stage who's like and and not. I'm like not going full out, like trying to imitate them at this point, because I don't know that I have the performance chops to do that. 
Um, we'll see as I develop this stuff more, if I'm able to like channel them a little bit more physically than I'm doing, but I'm definitely not doing voices. Cause I mean, I can't. Well, <laughs> I, I like that you were just kind of sitting on a stand <laughs> and like, I was just, I was kind of like imagining, cause like, you know, I've seen Dave Chappelle just kind of sit or he puts his foot on the speaker and he has a cigarette. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a vast array of things that you could do yeah well well so that's that's definitely why i sit down for the dave Chappelle part because like i definitely feel like he's just like laid back sitting around yeah like he's just holding court in his living room or something so i was trying to channel that a little bit um because if you noticed i did not sit down for the louis stuff or the (laughs) or the bill cosby stuff (laughs) i i uh the, the so the Bill Cosby joke was just a joke that he had. And you took that. Is that right? Uh, no, no. That stuff was all original with me. That was all um, original? Yeah. That was just me sort of like, you know, because the thing, the joke about Bill Cosby is he's always been like Mr. Innocent, Mr. Dad, Mr. Upstanding, moral, yeah. upright citizen. And come to find out he's raped like, you know, over 30 women. And, and, it, to me, that that's where the irony is in, like, making stuff about him where he's just standing on stage acting all, like, Mr. Innocent. Yeah. But, like, clearly is a rapist and he's now been to jail. And so I was just trying to, like, comment on that. And obviously, as, as a woman, um, I'm also a feminist. So mm-hmm. I care deeply about the fact that this person got away for years with ruining women's lives, yes. you know. Um, and so I try to kind of infuse that sort of, uh, into the writing of it. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's working yet, but I'm trying. I felt it was working. And now that I know that you wrote those jokes, it's, it's almost as if you had some insight into something about, because your joke was about. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't about like roofing anybody, but there was, no. yeah. but there was something that you seemed to pick up on about him. And then he, cause I, whenever I watch comedians, you know, and now I think back to Louis CK too, is, is that, and I, at the time when I was a lot younger and I was listening to him, I didn't think that comedians are just showing their cards necessarily. But now as I've done this more and hosted more, I, you know, and listen more, um, I'm, I sometimes, and I'm a therapist, so sometimes I'm, I'm listening for the jokes, but then I hear it differently and I hear them actually talking about other things that are going on and, you know, the audience doesn't always capture that nuance. So. You mean like going on in their lives or going yeah, on in the world? They're going, they're going on in their lives or they're starting some exaggerated form where they're working their stuff out on stage and trying to get some, some, um, you know, validation that something is okay about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, with Bill Cosby and Louis C.K. Because I, I would mention to you after the fanatics on, like I wrote this email years ago to Louis C.K. Not think I mean I didn't get a response or anything, but I I wrote it because I was going through my own stuff, thinking like about being a dad and and how to be a good dad of kids, and I was watching his show. I watched his show so intensely that I just felt so connected to that character. And I wrote him kind of saying a letter of appreciation. And 
then which is I, a nice thing to do yeah. you know you didn't know i didn't know i didn't know but the next part is is that i was at a wedding and then uh i had friends at the wedding who were very are this is way still way before the stuff came out about him uh they were just saying they didn't like all his jokes about it, him talking about his penis and what he does with it and all this and that they, and, his, and his masturbation jokes they said they didn't like it and i defended it <laughs> Well, he did used to talk about masturbating all the time. I yes. don't know if he still does because I haven't been paying as much close attention to what he's doing since he got canceled. Because yeah. it makes me a little bit upset as a woman to yeah. think about all the female stand-ups who, you know, were lured into that situation and who were not treated properly when they were trying to make a name for themselves. Right. Um, but... But before, like, I wrote the spec script, I was obviously, like, watching all the episodes of his show and really trying to capture his voice so that I could mm -hmm. write that script. And I, I wrote jokes about masturbation into the script because that's what he talks about. Yeah. Which turned out to just have an irony to it, which was so much deeper. Like, when I looked back on the script after he got canceled and I was like, holy shit, I wrote so many masturbation jokes for him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's like he was telling us in plain yeah, no, sight how into masturbation he was. Yeah, I mean, he was. He just he was, left one little piece out that he prefers doing it in front of unsuspecting women. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it definitely would have changed uh, the dynamic between him and the audience if he just dug a little more openly about that. Uh, 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 but <laughs> and that, and that that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, I, I I I have not much more to say about Louis C.K. <laughs> that I did appreciate him at the time. I haven't kept up with what he's doing. I, I used to kind of Google to see like where he was going. I was excited that he wanted Jeopardy. I thought he was a good contestant on there. That led me to believe that Jeopardy needs to, to do a show that's like a tournament of comedians. <laughs> comedians. I've written that to Mike Birbiglia who responded, he's like, that's a great idea. It is, yeah. yeah I, and I said, it should be him, Bo Burnham, and Michelle Wolf, and then whomever else they can get, because I just think that those, those three comedians are very, very intelligent, or at least they come across that way. Well, I think it's the kind of thing where you could even rotate the panel, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be Jeopardy either. It could be like any interesting any game. trivia game that shows yeah. that. Because comedians and comedy writers and, frankly, writers in general, in Hollywood anyway, tend to be some of the smartest, most knowledgeable, most kind of in the know people because you have to pay attention to what's going on in the world in order mm -hmm. to be able to talk about it. Yeah. So I found as a rule that comedians and writers in Hollywood are really the smartest people and the most well-read. So, you know, there's probably a giant array of people who could, I mean, like, look at what Jordan Klepper does on The Daily Show, with, yes. you know, the whole MAGA crowd. Like, you know, he can't do that if he doesn't, he can't go out there into the field and be able to make funny comments if he doesn't already know every single thing about those people and what they're into and hasn't studied them deeply you know totally uh and i you know i also think that you know in, in seattle i there was an older man who came into the bar that i host an open mic and i was asking him i said you know i love hearing just kind of different people come up and share their stories you don't have to be a comedian to tell a funny story but once you tell the story you can call yourself a comedian <laughs> 
And I, and I really like just hearing different perspectives, but he said to me, he said, I don't know if I could do it in Seattle. He said, I'm a little more leaning right. And that, that doesn't always go over well. And I said, how are we going to learn? How are we going to, you know? And, and I said, you, you, I said, you've survived in Seattle long enough to know how to deal with us. So get up there and talk. I still haven't gotten him back, but there are right leaning comedians that are really funny. I mean, I struggle personally to listen to them, but it doesn't stop me from thinking they're talented and hilarious. Who am I thinking of? Um, the guy who does F is for family. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy. I don't know. No, no, much, <laughs> much, much deeper, smarter comedy uh, than that. Uh, no, and it's not Larry the Cable Guy. No, it's Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Oh, yeah. Bill Burr is a very, very funny comedian. Oh, he's great. Who says a lot of stuff that just offends the hell out of me. But I... it doesn't stop me from thinking that he's super funny. <laughs> you yeah, know? Bill Burr, I, I, I really, I mean, I've seen a transformation in him just when I watch him because he has a daughter and he talks about that and he sometimes gets a little sentimental about it too. Um, so, I mean, I, cause I'm a dad and I, I appreciate that, but I actually, when I was first kind of trying to figure out how to write jokes and stuff, I, I looked up something and, and something about his, his, his style of humor or his kind of, I don't know, algorithm for it was taking two dissimilar things and finding a similarity. So that's when I wrote the joke, like, um, what is it? I'm 41. I've been married for 12 years and I have two kids. And uh, 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 being married with children's a lot like a Jackson Pollock painting. Anybody can do it. And it's completely overpriced. But that was based on like the <laughs> form format of, of his, his joke. And I, and I try to think of like, how do you take two different things and find something that's similar? And he does that a lot in his jokes. Mm -hmm. So it is very smart and he has a rhythm to it. And, and he knows how to like, you know, not take shit from people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have a thick skin to tell the kind of jokes he tells, you know. But he didn't get, just get there. And when when I see people performing, and like that's the thing in Seattle. Like, so the so one thing I noticed because I, I now performed briefly in Chicago, did the Denver scene, I've done the Seattle scene and see the LA scene, and I'm seeing all the differences. And I'll say that you know Seattle and Denver have a, kind of a similar style. I would just say that people in Denver are a lot happier. <laughs> and, and a little more organized i really like their scene it's very positive and they actually organize in the way that you go from one mic to the next and they're all about 10 minutes apart they start at like 5 p.m or 6 p.m and they let you know which one to go to next so you kind of build this cohort of of friends as you go along which was really nice um and seattle's not as organized in that way and i'm hoping to kind of um emulate that to some degree and here it's been interesting because I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll check out the different scenes. And yeah, we don't in Denver and Seattle, you don't have to pay to play here. You do because I, I get it. it's very saturated and everybody is is very interested in advancing their careers. But as like I was talking to you before we started is that, you know, my when I would go out and just kind of ask questions to people about what the scene is here and what it's like, it, it was almost immediate that people were projecting to me. That then, without even knowing who I am or what why I'm doing this or what's going on in my life, that I'm gonna fail. They've heard this story before, and and I have no ability or whatever they're saying. And that's kind of exaggerating it, but 
uh, it, it's really, I, you know, I, 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 I was like thinking, gosh, I feel miserable sometimes, but a lot of these comedians, I get it, are struggling and feel really miserable about what's going on. And I don't know, I mean, there's definitely other people, especially the fanatics salon. I think there's a lot of positive people there, but I was mm -hmm. wondering your take on kind of the, the culture here. Well, I mean, I've been in LA a long time, so I know how to read it. And, you know, I think the problem that a lot of people in LA can have is tying their self-worth to whether or not they make it in show business. And, you know, if you do that, you're bound to be disappointed no matter how far you make it in your career. I mean, look at Will Smith. He won an Oscar and obviously was also going through something that very same time, despite the fact he's one of the most successful, most famous people to make it in show business, he still had this rage he'd been bottling. And the reason for that is because if you take a career in Hollywood, the rejection never stops. Correct. And that's not something people are expecting. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people think like, oh, if I can just make it to this level, then I'll be okay. If I can just make it to this level and I'll be okay. I once heard, this changed my life. I heard Samuel L. Jackson about 10 years ago at a Q&A at a, at a movie that he was a part of. Mm -hmm. And he said this, he said, I'm always freaking out about my next job because if I don't have my next three jobs lined up, I'm pretty sure my career is over. Mm -hmm. And that was someone who said that at the height of his career. And that sort of gave me personally like a lot of uh, insight into the fact that like everybody at every level of this business is worried about their career ending, including those who haven't even started their career yet, to all the way to those who are winning Oscars and are literally in eight projects a year, you know, that everyone is watching and their household names. So that's just something that I think a lot of people don't realize when they come to LA to try to make it in show business. And I, I just think the key to being happy here is tying yourself worth to something besides whatever success is, because you're never going to feel successful. You're never going to feel like you made it. Um, for me personally, like I have realized that I'm just thrilled to have had this life as my journey because some days I feel really successful. Some days I feel really like a failure, but if I can just remind myself every day how privileged I am to just get to wake up every day and work on getting my ideas out to the world and that sometimes I actually succeed at getting my ideas even to one person, you know, um, that makes me feel successful. Like the fact that I've made it this long and haven't had to move to another place and give up on my dreams. Just the fact that I'm following my, my dreams and continuing to, um, get a chance to do what I love every day. To me, that's how I've chosen to define success. And that's why I'm maybe a lot less bitter than other people. Mm -hmm. But it takes a lot of self-knowledge to be able to pursue that mindset that I'm talking about every right. day. It, you it know? Takes, yeah, it totally does. It I mean, it takes experience. It takes, you know, good people around you, people keeping you grounded. But I do say that, um, I would love to be slapped on stage by uh, by Will Smith. I think, would, I think it would be really good for my career. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm seriously now when Chris Rock goes out and does his tour, 
everybody's going to be interested in it. I mean, I know. Yeah, he's been selling out since the slap. Yeah, so he's I mean, doing fine. I, I, he should call it the Fresh Prince tour or something like that. <laughs> uh, I, I, that, that He'd probably I, get sued if he did yeah, that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I, 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 I mean, that, that, aside from wanting to get slapped from, by, by Will Smith, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, but this this thing that you're describing about how you stayed you've stayed grounded over the years. I mean, I'm sure that you've had your ups and downs as well. Oh, for sure. I've had a lot of downs. <laughs> Do you want to talk about them? Um, you know, I try not to dwell on that stuff at this no. point. I mean, I think, but I do think that like, I, I got to the point, you know, I had to get to the point, like, cause you're not going to not have downs in this business. Yeah. And, and like, I got to the point where I just like had to realize like, okay, if I'm going to keep doing this, then downs are just a part of it. And what is my coping mechanism? You mm -hmm. know, like, you know, I went through a lot of spiritual practice at some uh -huh. points. I haven't been actively working on any of that stuff, but I did so much of it at some point that I feel like it kind of became a part of my attitude yeah. of just remembering what I'm grateful for. And uh -huh. once in a while, when it's really bad, just sitting down and trying to meditate, even though I will fail at meditating. Yeah. Um, um, just sitting down to try it is sometimes is enough, um, like that kind of stuff. But like, no, I mean, I don't want to dwell on my failures no. more than necessary. Yeah. I mean, the failure is just not being further along at this point in my career for all of the work I've put out there. Like I could be very, very sad about how little of the writing I've done has ever even been read. I've written full spec scripts for sitcoms that not one single person in the business ever took the time to read, you know, yeah. to the point where you just go, why am I even writing this if no one's going to even read it, yeah. you know? Um, so like no one could say the cream, like a lot of people like to say the cream rises to the top. I totally disagree with that because there's racism, there's sexism. And yeah. a lot of times the white male cis yeah. straight cream rises to the top sometimes, but there are so many people who maybe are poor and just never had access or didn't have enough money to even continue doing things for free the amount of time they need or, or, or slave wages, you know, for yeah. the amount of time that's required for people to even know who you are enough to read your script. Like, you know, there's so many things that are out of your control. So you just got to find a way to enjoy doing it. Yes. You know? it, yes. You know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if this is really funny, but I, I haven't done this bit yet, but I definitely try to listen to people, particularly like less privileged people than myself. Um, and I thought about going up at the place I host at and opening and saying, first, I want to apologize on behalf of all white men uh, uh, who, who have a privilege to perform and uh, they get this platform to uh, say whatever they want to say while other people, you know, have to work towards that in a very different way. And I say this while I am literally standing on a platform as a white man. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's, it is interesting. And I, the other thing I, I've done too is that, you know, I, I, I mean, I definitely, it, it either comes from a place of my own like path trauma and guilt, which may come from being Jewish, or maybe it's from intergenerational trauma of just not wanting bad shit to happen again in the world. But I walk around in Seattle and I 
talked to a lot of the homeless people and I've oftentimes told them that they should come to the open mic. And I say, it's an open mic for a reason. You get five minutes there to perform. And if you keep showing up, it, you know, I can't guarantee, but I know that I like to pay comedians for the other showcases I do. And I've met so many funny guys on the street and I'll record them and I'll, I'll put it on my social media. Cause I, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I just think everybody's got a funny story about this. And I, I'll tell homeless people that this is, that I say, you can use this joke because I used to call it homeless privilege because I know that, that in Seattle, what will happen is, is that, you know, and this happened to me, I got my glasses stolen because I left them on the counter because I took them off because I had to wear a mask. They were all foggy. And I called the, the store back and I said, where is like, did I leave my glasses there? And they said, no, some homeless guy came in and just took him. I said, did you say anything? Did you try to stop? They said, no, we didn't want to like get involved with that. And I said, you just let, I mean, it's fine that, you know, whatever, maybe they need the glasses or whatever. And then I started thinking like, you know, they, they nobody ever is going to call the police or whatever on, on these people, which is fine. I'm glad they don't. And so anyhow, I told this, this guy this, he, and I said, you should totally use that and describe, describe that your life is not as bad as it seems. And people look at you as if your life is so terrible, but you get a lot of opportunities that people of privilege don't get. So anyway, that's, <laughs> um, that's my thought on that. I haven't, I, I have, I've never told that one because I don't feel that uh, it's necessarily appropriate for me to, or I don't know how to work it in there, but I appreciate you telling me that. I, I, I definitely understand the idea of, um, you know, going through getting your spiritual needs, your healthy needs met, because otherwise you're just aiming for this thing that may never happen. Although it is nice when you get the fruit yeah. labor, which you have. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten some fruits from my labor and sometimes I have gone a long periods of time without, but yeah, that's the point is like, kind of for me, the first step was like, what if this never happens? Yeah. How, like, because you don't start your career thinking that. You start your career thinking, this is going to happen, you know? Yeah. And you go for it all out. And, like, I turned over every single stone possible that I could think to turn over yeah. and then some. And, um, you know, never stopped working, never took a rest, never, you know, stopped dedicating myself to it. And then at some point I had to say to myself, okay, well, what if this never happened? How would I feel about myself? Who would right. I be? And once you start asking yourself that question, then you realize I need to know who I am and what my worth is if this never yeah. happens. Yeah. And, and then you start to be able to approach it from a much more um, fun yeah aspect where it's like doesn't matter none of this matters and yeah. i'm just gonna have a good time and i'll tell you something interesting you make better connections when you're just there to have fun yes and you that, know? that's how i talked to you and i met so many so many nice people here and even just at the, the la school of comedy these two guys we found out that we're all they're originally from washington and they just invited me to hang out at their place. And we went to three open mics last night and it was so much fun. And yes, I was working on my Dino Dad character, but I, but at the LA school of comedy, I got 10 minutes and it was nice because I got to kind of work on the character. And there's these other two other women there. One was uh, in some executive production position who kept giving feedback to us, but it was nice to do that for, and then to say, okay, this is the character and this is the Noah and Noah and, 
and 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 what I've been thinking about is the idea of like you know because all the criticism wasn't getting to me, but it was making me think how can I protect myself with this other character who's kind of like a, a narcissistic di- a dad joker, but uh, but he'll he'll he won't let anything happen to Noah, and Noah can talk about like you know mental health and and being in a treatment facility and and uh, and and. Uh, and being on an airplane with with some business guy who asked me why I was there and he said what are you on this airplane for and I just said well I had a mental health crisis and decided to get on an airplane (laughs) where Dino Dad can't tell that stuff um but he can make fun of me for telling it so I I I, it's been I've never done so many mics in 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 a short period of time but I've done open mics like basically every night since I've been here and it's been so neat I even got to meet like Earl Skakel and he's such a nice guy and invited me backstage at the comedy store and it was just mm-hmm. something I never expected but it's all because I think just I really tried to just be kind and um and respect everybody's boundaries with this stuff um I want to say something else about the criticism that you know you felt you've had so much more of in LA um like if if that's all right with you yeah I'm fine with it thank you um I think, like, a lot of times, too, like, not telling you, like, oh, you suck and you're never going to make it. That's not a critique. That is useless. And that's just somebody basically telling you that they're in a bad mood today. But, but like, a lot of times people in L.A. are going to critique you at these mics because everyone here is really, really trying to get better. And I think a lot of the people are critiquing your comedy because they want to help and even yeah. though it hurts like it hurt, crit- criticism hurts even when it's being given in your best interest yeah you know um so like i think because my background is as a writer and the main thing we do is get critiqued on every single draft for years and years by every like there's i rarely had a script go out where someone didn't have something negative to say about it like it has happened where someone was like perfect i wouldn't change a thing that has actually happened to me which is very unusual um but most of the time every like just like when you go to a movie like you walk out of a movie a lot of times and you say like oh i really enjoyed that but i wish that this person hadn't said this thing like even your your average audience member has that instinct to say like I liked it so much that I just wish the one thing I didn't like was better you know yeah. so that I could have felt like it was perfect because we're all seeking perfection in others and in ourselves to some degree mm-hmm. and I think like you know because I come from this background as a writer like when I go on stage I expect critique afterwards and if I don't get it I'm almost more disappointed right. so so like the night you met me uh, a couple weeks ago I was not prepared enough. I had spent a lot of time writing the material, but I hadn't really spent a lot of time preparing how I was going to say it and perform it. So when I went on stage, I did get laughs. It wasn't like I totally bombed, but I left there feeling like I bombed. And to be honest, part of the reason I felt like I bombed was because nobody came up to me afterwards and wanted to give me a critique. Mm -hmm. You know, no, everyone was kind of just looking down, like avoiding me. And that was so much worse than than the, the times that I had gone up before and the time when I went up this week when I had actually practiced performing that act a little bit more and people came up to me and were like, I love that you're doing this and it was comparing it to the week before and saying I love how you took the material from last week and you honed it and you made it tighter and you made it better and 
you know, um, so it, that's what we're looking for when we yeah. put ourselves out there and go on stage. Yeah. And so I think if you also look at the critique from the point of view of like people care enough to tell you something yeah. about what you're doing, because like when I went up last week and no one said anything to me, that was the worst I ever felt. Oh, I hear. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I definitely when I, anybody says anything, I just I. I, I take it, I listen to it, and I say, okay, what what grain of this do, what makes sense or is easy enough for me right now to integrate uh, in into this? And you know, and I never did a, like a character before. People had told me in the past you should work. Like somebody in the podcast told me you should create the Dino Dad character, and I just kept thinking about how am I going to do that? How is it going to seem right? And and you know, it hit it hits and misses here. Uh, uh, it worked at the homegrown open mic, which I highly recommend going to it, the, the guy who hosted is such a kind guy. It had a similar vibe and it's free on Wednesdays at the, the third street promenade. I really recommend it. it you get, you what get, time like, is that one? It, can starts you remind at, me? it starts at 7 PM. You can sign up on slotted. The, uh, his name is a uh, Rishi. It goes, but his name is Hirishman with an H. Uh, uh, on Instagram. I'll send it to you later, but he is so kind and he's, he just makes it such a, a positive mic. And then there's just people walking by and you can just talk to them. Like I talked to this <laughs> cu couple and I, put, and I did the whole dino dad thing and then I got, got down and it was just fun to just kind of interact with people. And, and then there was another place I would call at the magic meow last night, which was a haunted house. Um, kind of turned into that, that uh, place where people can access food and stuff. But in the back, they just have a bunch of marijuana out for people to smoke and, uh, and, uh, and just a bunch of really, really talented comedians. But, but I, I felt well received there. Whereas we went again to the fanatic salon last night. And I don't, that, that, it, I think when you just get an audience of kind of comedians, sometimes there it's it, instead of an audience member, it's a very different response mm -hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely nice when you get some feedback about how to do different things. Because then at least if I might not integrate it now, but I might think later down the road, that's something for me to, to look at as well. So. And you might find as you do the Dino Dad stuff that these are things you want to talk about as Noah, as yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, I thought about like going but like in the middle of the act, like, like like kind of like you said like a multiple personality thing but i take the hat off and the glasses off and like noah starts telling his story and then i go back to dino dad and be like what was that all about you know that he's always talking about how depressed he is taking depressed dad bass they want to hear that crap and then i take it off i, I don't think it's that bad dino dad i i think that like it like it, it actually gets people to to, to to relate to me a little bit who wants to relate to you and that kind of thing so mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, I, I'm working on it. Um, and, and it's just fun. And that's the key phrase, by the way. I'm working on it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, until you're up doing your performance or your Netflix special or whatever, you're working <laughs> on it. I mean, you know? if, if I get a Netflix special, uh, I, I, that would be awesome. I, I, but I, I actually, this guy named Cliff Barnes, an older comedian from Seattle, who's been doing this for years and years. He's got his, his roots go deep, but he's just a really he's nice kind of father figure in some ways to me. Um, he said, you know, if you ever get to the point, he says, it's better to be a feature comedian than a headliner. If you're in LA, because feature comedians can perform regularly. A headliner gets one spot and can't come back to that club for a while. 
So mm-hmm. I would be happy to to just open. I, I feel like I, I'm better at crowd work than uh, than than being a headliner, unless somebody really wants to see an hour of a guy like like being a a, a Bronxy kind of dad that tells bad jokes in the the kind of style of Rodney Dangerfield. But yeah, well, it's good to know what you want. You know, I think you can't you can't get there if you don't know what it is. Yes. Well. I want to just give this time for you. I know we've gone a little over 30 minutes, but I do really want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I learned a lot from you and um, you, you, you know, you seem very grounded and very realistic, but you still have goals and dreams. Is there anything else that's on your mind that you're, you're willing to kind of share about um, where you want to go with your future or you want to, you know, I'll plug something if you want. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm always open to taking an opportunity to, to talk about stuff. So the thing about me, I'm not just a writer. I'm also a director. So I'm a filmmaker. I have some films. Um, some of my work can be found on my website, Mm moniquesorgan.com. Um, and, um, and, you know, I think, for me, the stand-up thing is just, I guess, a way to work out some of the material that I'm interested in or yeah. get some things off my chest and just uh, give people a chance to hear what my voice from the page is supposed to sound like, <laughs> you know, so that they're not confused when they're, when they're reading my stuff. Um, I mean, I think it reads pretty clearly, but, you know, people bring their own baggage when they read a script on paper Uh um whereas like if they actually know what my cadences are and how i present things and how i often kind of say something Uh dark in a very light and flippant way i think it will help people understand you know my my voice to some degree yeah definitely definitely and and you know i i i like that you had like the script there and you read from it it was kind of poetic i could see you doing that at like because i've been i've done stand-up comedy at a poetry open mic which was very strange (laughs) but i could see that going over well as well at a poetry open mic too um there's a lot to gain from that. And I, I, for me, like I, I, cause I was so busy in Seattle when I would do stand up. I would create PowerPoint presentations because I couldn't remember any of my jokes. I would just put a pictures there to remind me. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. If you're like, okay. a, I'm a yeah. visual learner. Yeah, so no, like I, having pictures of what I want to talk about, that could yeah, be really I, funny. And then I do like trivia questions too, sometimes with the audience. Cause I just like try to make it fun. Cause I'm just trying to warm up the crowd for whomever is coming up and just, you know, get people more focused on the stage than their cell phones. So, yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And if anyone's hearing this in LA, I got one of my films that's not on the internet yet is going to be playing uh, April 20, sometime between April 28th and 30th at the Hollywood comedy shorts film festival. Oh, I'm still in town. I want to come to that. Oh yeah. You definitely should. I wish I knew what date it is. They haven't told me yet. Okay. But, um, but that should be a fun happening. And they, they tend to program really good comedy films at that festival. I played in it before with my last film, sorry, not sorry, which is on the internet, which you can see for free on, on my website. Uh Um, this one I have playing is called rockabye baby. Um, so if you go on their website, whenever they post, uh, the, the dates that will be playing there, uh, you can look up when Rockabye Baby is playing and come say hi. 
I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna plan on being there. I've, I've been looking for different things to do. I've just done so many mics now. Now I'm kind of branching out into other areas of of this world. Um, thank you so much. I will give you a little quick call if you mind after this, just to kind of. I always say just. I just check in with everybody after these things. Great. But, but thank you so much for doing this. It it means a lot. Well, thanks for inviting me. I yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. You have a good rest of your day. And Thank that's you. the end of our Dino Dad chat. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.